send it. Welcome back to Only on the Midwatch podcast presented by Test Depth. I'm your host, Ellison Parham, joined by my co-host, Josh Kanak. And we've got a special guest uh, back on the show because the first take didn't quite cut it. <laughs> it, was on, it was an awesome recording, but the audio was just a little bit jacked up. We got Nick Church back on the show from Sayers and Sticks. Nick Church, welcome back, buddy. Hey guys, I'm glad to be here, and uh, hopefully uh, this recording will be better than the first one we did. <laughs> <laughs> I think it will. I'm sure it will be. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so I'm in I'm in Germany right now, uh, in my quarantine. So I appreciate you and Josh uh, coordinating with me to help us get this show recorded again. Um, but are you are you still back East Coast now? Or I know you were traveling a lot, but yeah, I just got back, so I've had a wild kind of last like week and a half or whatever um <clears throat> with covid uh, we can't go on commercial flights or else you're in a 14-day quarantine kind of like what you find yourself in right now yeah so for us to go get to a unit that's shooting uh weapons down in uh autech you have to drive from norfolk all the way to west palm beach Oof. you gotta have a negative covid test within five days and then they board you on this autech plane which is like a 16 passenger eight rows either side of it uh, military flight they get you into autech they like take your temperature when you get there they ask you all these questions about what you've been doing the last 14 days and then like there's a bus waiting for you the bus takes you to the base it's on andros island down in bahamas and uh and then you get on base right so the whole thing was crazy we we were told like hey if you take all these extra precautions like you guys will have unrestricted access to the base which means we could have went to like, you know, the bars on base. We could have like went and like worked out the gym, gone to the galley, right? right. Uh, they pulled a fast one on us. And so they gave us the badges at the terminal when we landed in the Bahamas. And they're like, hey, you guys are good. We get to the front gate and as they're checking our IDs, they're handing us these new badges. And we were like, you know, look at me and Joe Bougie. We're looking at each other because like we've been, you know, this is our first rodeo. We've been to Autech many times. Yeah. Like, what the hell is this new badge? And then basically they were handing us quarantine badges. Oh, wow. So we get on base. There's this like 70-year-old doctor dude that looks like he had a haircut since COVID started. And he's like, basically like, y'all can't do anything. Stay in your room. We will do everything for you. There's going to be two drivers dedicated to you guys. They're going to get you your food, next runs, whatever, right? So we're like, all right, cool, whatever. So mind you, it's like, it's the most senior group that you could take with you. It's, you know, the 06 deputy, myself, uh, two master chiefs, uh, two senior chiefs and a chief. Like that's the group. Right. And they're like, we don't trust you go into the barracks. They like roped off these rooms for us, had quarantine rooms, big old yellow papers on our doors. And they said we could not leave. That's so uh, we did all that. And then uh, that was luckily I was going for one day. And then uh, we got on board the boat. We were on the USS Albany. Uh, great to have her out at sea again. She's hasn't been at sea since she got back from deployment in June, believe it or not. She's not been underway yet. So uh, she's out there uh, doing that. We did TWP, so we were shooting tomahawks down in Autech. It was cool. Yeah, uh, We shot shot five tomahawks, and uh, the boat uh, was five for five. They hit all five targets. So I got Hell yeah, that's every, every FT's dream right there. Just, just, I just want to shoot a tomahawk. I only got to shoot one. <laughs> yeah. So it was funny is that same boat is going to be shooting two tomahawks later this year. So uh, Are they getting the Albany, uh, who hasn't been at sea for a while, uh, she's now uh, hooking it, hooking me up and uh, letting me shoot uh, horizontals and verticals uh, my first year as WEPS. So pretty excited nice. about that. They're going to let you press the button? They got a slam uh, stick over there? Or how did, what did they use to launch with? No, they, they got the actual button, CLC. Um, you guys have that slapstick right on the second yeah. flights and the first flights. Yeah. And then uh, third flights just have the button press. So oh. when I was on the Asheville, when I was an FT1, that's what I stood for battle stations was console operator. So I've shot many torpedoes uh, for TWPs and TWCs and stuff like that. But I never like got to press a button for a Tomahawk. But I've been on the good ship Helena uh, mm-hmm. when we uh, we launched Tomahawk. So it's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Hell yeah, man. Well, I mean – talk about above my pay grade as far as that quarantine badging <laughs> goes um that's rough buddy i i guess they get the the 06s too but um damn dude that sounds dope um shit i know last time we we recorded this we talked that we went all the way back in the past and asked you to give us the rundown from the beginning um there's a lot of people who know you out there in the uh, submarine community obviously 
um, in the Sailor Sticks and Sailors and Sticks community. Uh, but some of the people who are kind of like just now getting to know you from our end of the uh, <coughs> of the internet and social media, and uh, your new followers, do you mind uh, breaking down to us how you joined the Navy and uh, and the way your career progression went? Sure, absolutely. So. Uh, I joined the Navy out of Modesto, California, uh, just out about an hour outside the bay. <clears throat> and uh, 2003 is when I depped in, and then I left the boot camp in April in 2004. SCCF program, so they said, hey, you're going to be a CERNTEC, FT, NAVIT, or RM. Um, so I did that whole thing, went to boot camp, and uh, got to best. And then um, they're like, hey, that's how you pick your rate, right? And, the, and what they did is they made us write papers. So they came out and they're like, hey, there's 50 of you guys in class. We only have four um, sonarmen billets. And then it was like, say, AFTs and then radio navity, whatever. I really want to be a center tech. I don't know why. I think I just always got attracted to it. My, uh, our, my uh, recruiter was a sonarman also. So I was, uh, I was like not going to lose this like competition, right? I didn't know how many people wanted to be a sonarman. I wasn't going to lose. So my little like – super nub ass because you're not even a nub yet because you don't even need to pass best yet like you haven't even passed sub school yet i walked down uh and actually ended up being the uss san juan uh down in connecticut and uh i i basically was like didn't know what i was doing and uh was like i wanted to talk to somebody in sonar about what they did and it was really cool man the top side watch like it, it was all he was all salty man he was like spitting tobacco out of his mouth top side and you know, and he's just very intimidating, man. He's probably like a third class, and I was like so intimidated by him. So I called someone up, actually being an SDS one. He sent me down to Sonar, and that dude sat like for an hour with me, man, and just like taught taught me basically like how Sonar works and what they do on the boat and all other kind of stuff like that. And uh, I was sold. So I took a lot of notes, and then I went back up, wrote my paper, and like, dude, I was like one of like three people that like wrote a paper. Like, and then like I had bonus cause like, you know, I had, uh, references of like people I had talked to on USS San Juan and you know, I've always been OCD from day one. And like, yeah. like literally like day zero, Nick church is like going above and beyond extra credit to like make sure he gets <laughs> what he wants. Uh, so I do that. Right. Uh, you know, and I select orders and my first boat was USS West Virginia down in Kings Bay, Georgia. Uh, I did six patrols on her uh sonar supervisor qualified uh within my first two years on board stood sonar soup the uh, last two years on board um and then i decided to split to her i really want to go to fast attack i was asking since my very first career development board to split toward a fast attack and my captain's like it don't work that way <laughs> you gotta like you gotta honor these orders first but um oh i totally were I, I know a couple of guys that did like virginia class and and uh, actually I, you might know him dusty galbraith I do know Dusty, yeah. Yeah. He uh he did a split tour. His his first tour, he was on a Virginia class out in Hawaii, I think. And he was like, I because he he's always been like a super ambitious guy. Um and he was like, I want to know everything there is to know about being a torpedo man. And he made first class super quick. And then he's obviously he's an officer now, but he's like, I want to split tour over to Fast Tank so I can get to know both torpedo rooms. Yep. Yeah, it's there's a van of that, and that's how I was too. I was like, mm -hmm. Well, for me as a tournament, I was like you're not really doing your job on a, on a Ohio, you know, USS, uh, Ohio class, uh, SSBN. So I've wanted to go to a fast attack and I really want to go on the West coast. That's kind of where the action was. Um, so anyway, as I get up to sea school, <clears throat> I'm in uh, one of the first Virginia class sea schools. I was going to the USS Hawaii and, uh, through five months and three weeks of sea school, I got disqualified for my hearing loss stuff. Um, for those of you that know me, uh, well about my hearing stuff, for those of you that don't know me, I have a permanent uh, cochlear implant on my right ear. Uh, basically, it's a permanent hearing aid uh, that is detachable. Um, and uh, I'm actually the first uh, sailor active duty to ever receive that in Portsmouth Hospital and to actually stay active duty. So it's pretty cool. Um, it wasn't easy. It wasn't like they're just like, yeah, you're good. I mean, they told me, like, when you get the surgery, you will be med boarded out. And uh, I just kind of, you know worked my magic and uh, that never even happened i didn't have a board let alone pass it so um you wiggled still your here. hands <laughs> yeah i was like spirit fingers and uh you know <laughs> it was good uh so i went to the uh uh anyways uh went to uss uh Asheville after that and that was an awesome tour uh was there from 09 to 2012 uh, first lieutenant ftlpo 
um, two deployments in two years. Uh, just, it, it was a great tour. Chiefs mess was awesome because the Chiefs mess was so qualified. It, it opened up the doors for the first classes. Um, so we were heavy, heavy qualified dive chief of the watch. So I qualified dive. So my first deployment as a new FT, I was still at TOW. And 11 months later, when we got surge deployed, I was mission dive and, uh, stood mission dive for, uh, that whole deployment. And, uh, as a you know, I was sailor of the year as a first class. Um, it was really, really, really awesome. Um, that, that helped me. Uh, my first, uh, first class eval was number one of 33 and I uh, was a uh, sailor of the year and runner up squadron sailor of the year. And then, that's uh, pretty tough to get a, that's pretty tough to get a number one EP your first time as a first class. Yeah, it's, it is tough. And like, when I look back on it, <clears throat> of course, like, I'm always like, if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. So I've always kind of, I always kind of blur the lines of cocky and confidence. That's why you have to be in the military, in my opinion. Um, but as I got more older and mature, cause yeah, I realized I'm, I'm at like my six, seven year mark right now, uh, when that's going on, when I put on chief and then like, as I started getting people work for me and then like guys put promoting through the ranks, I was just like, what the fuck, man? Did I, I really pulled <laughs> a number one fucking eval, like, you know, first time up. So like, I am kind of, you know, I knew I deserved it. I was confident that I deserved it, but I was like, still, I'm like, well, that's not normal. So, hmm. you know, what is what it is. I went to OpTev 4. It's a test evaluation force out in Norfolk, Virginia. Um, and I tested uh, BYG-1 and ARCI, Sonar Fire Control Systems. Um, that was my chief's tour. And that uh, was really awesome seeing all the new Sonar and Fire Control Systems at the developmental test level. And uh, rode a bunch of boats, uh, including uh, USS Helena for a Tomahawk launch. Yeah. I rode the USS Olympia for... Uh, a rim pack out on the west coast uh i rode australian submarine hmas waller uh for some testing um i think all in all i think i was on uh like 20 submarines um for for testing and stuff like that and you rode so, the australian uh, submarine did they come here or did you go there no so i had to fly to japan uh i flew into narita and then uh took a bullet train down to yakuska i got on the boat in yakuska <clears throat> and then we did an op with a japanese ssk and uh, the USS Hampton, and then um, that when when that op was done, it was done in Japanese waters. They uh, they got me off uh, in a it's a Japanese submarine port that we don't pull into because we just use uh, Sasebo and Yakuska. Um, this one's up by Hiroshima, actually. So um, they got me off the boat there. Um, so I've actually been able to say that I've actually been ground zero at Hiroshima and Nagasaki in my career. Um, you know, on Liberty or whatever. So what was that like? There. Very uh, humbling. I've, I've been to uh, 9-11 and I, or the 9-11 site, right? Um, I've been there when it was rubble in 2004 before they'd cleared it all out. Um, and it's the same. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Like, whether it's Japanese, Chinese, America, Russia, whatever. Like, if you're still there, we're a place where, like, thousands of people died. It's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You the can Nagasaki. Yeah. The, the Nagasaki one was kind of crazy because like ground zero kind of leveled the ground. So like the rest of the ground was lower in, in terrain elevation uh, than the area surrounding it. And then you go, you walk through uh, the museum and they've just got all the stuff. The craziest thing in that museum that I saw was um, it was like a brick side of a brick building. And uh, there was a guy that was walking up a ladder. And, and when the blast hit, it was so bright that it like basically took a picture like a flash, like a camera. And the guy's shadow was, was like a photo taken on the side of this brick wall. And it was like, damn. So anyways, yeah, it was pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, and they got commissioned in 2016, uh, submitted for the uh, submarine ordinance LDO program. Uh, got selected first time up for that. I had a really, a lot of really good mentors that helped me get there for that. Uh, and officer community that were kind of like helping me along the way. Um, you got to have a mentor. If there's anybody out there that wants to apply for the LDO program, if you are not readily talking to, you know, a guy that's doing the job, it's, it's hard to get picked up. Um, you know, and really you got to hit like a Lieutenant and lower level. Cause we're the guys that were there just a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, so that was good. Uh, my first, uh, instant tour was at sublant. I was a force ATO at sublant for two years. Um, 
kind of a paper pusher, but it was kind of cool. Uh, had some cool programs, uh, did a lot of good stuff there. Uh, and then I transferred at my two-year mark to the torpedo facility in Yorktown, Virginia, where we build the torpedoes. It's the only uh, IMA in the world that builds uh, torpedoes by Navy sailors. So a bunch of FTs, STs, and uh, torpedo men uh, taking down these torpedoes and building them back up and, and shooting them out, war shots and exercises. So as a production officer there and the quality assurance officer there, um, and at times uh, the XO and um, – did two years there. Actually, I didn't even do two years there. I did 20 months there. I was like, one of the main jobs I always wanted to do when I got commissioned was to be a weapons officer, a SQUEPS. And uh, when Brian Brown, uh, my co-partner for Sailors and Sticks, he was like itching to go to Guam and go on a tender. So like he was rolling early. So it made me have to roll early because I really wanted to take his job from him. And uh, as the detailer was on board, luckily, like I'm, you know, I have a friendly relationship with our detailer. And he made it happen. So my second tour as an officer was only 20 months um, left there. And then now I'm a squadron. And I, I love this job, man. Like I've got solid ass chiefs, um, the the senior officers, all the deputies and, and the Commodore are badass. Um, and I just love the it's busy. Right. And there's a lot, a lot of uh, hurdles to go over. But like knowing like the importance of, of what it's like to like help that boat out to get them out to sea. Uh, and, you know, and ultimately the goal is to get them out on deployment, have a successful deployment. That's what I love about that job the most. Um, just a lot of satisfaction and, and helping you guys, the warfighters, go out and, and do work. And uh, quite the, that's, quite the that's career that. there. <laughs> You've been all over the place, man. Uh, so you said that you were qualified sonar soup in your first tour. Yes. So what rank were you qualified Sonar Super? I was an E4. E4. And that Yeah, my first my first TRE, the Sonar Soup divisions for TRE was myself as an E4 and then my LPO and my chief. With and two first class operators. Jesus. Oh, I'm staging. Um, yeah, I think I think my I think my chief did that as like a power move. Like because so these scrubs like had been like in the Navy 12, 15 years, not qualified sonar soup ever. And then like here come uh they called me the sonar pit bull because I was just eating people. Um <laughs> so here comes a sonar pit bull. And uh not only is he qualified sonar soup, but also he's gonna put them scrub first classes in his section to make them work for me. So uh damn boy. It, it was a little intimidating. Years. Cause like, even though like you're confident in your job and you feel good about it and you're like, hell yeah, I'm the son of soup. I'm talking to officer deck, whatever. Like these dudes are still first classes, man. Yeah. And they're like, still going to tell you to go clean like, up after watch. <laughs> it, exactly. Yeah. But you're going to be like, Hey, SDS one game that trace, <laughs> you know, but it's like, you, you want <laughs> them to do it. It's, it, it made me break out of my shell quick as a junior guy, because the positional authority is definitely a thing in the military. And, mm. uh, you know, that was my thing. My captain in my interview, um, he told me that he was like, look, he's like, Hey man, I, I don't see myself ever qualify another E4 again is not very common. Um, he's, but he was like, your leash is short as shit. He was like, if I walk in there one time and I get the slightest inclination that you guys are fucking off, he was like, I'm gonna pull your fucking license and you're gonna be fucking tracking contacts, uh, at the stack again. And I was like, yes, sir. And I was so intimidated by that. And I was really intimidated by my LPO too, because he used to ride me like fucking Seabiscuit. Um, <laughs> that that I was not going to screw up, man. So we were like, we had a good time. You know, we did the movie game. You did all the stuff that you normally do. But dude, I wrote a tight shit, man. Like you were you were looking at your console if you were broadband. I didn't let no visitors in, in Sonar when I was on watch. You know, I just really ran a tight shit because I was like scared to like, you know, go back and hurt my pride and be knocked back down to an operator again. Yeah, you don't want to go backwards after fucking just blazing a fucking trail to where you just came from. Yeah, yeah man. No way. I don't even know if that would have been worth it. Cause like, I mean, months and months into deployment and you just want to, you just, you're just so fucking tired of the shit. Like, cause like at that point you've seen the same shit over and over and over and over and yep. FTIW is like, are you sure that's a dolphin? And you're like, yes, it's a fucking dolphin. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> it's so true though. <laughs> <laughs> like, it looks like a, it looks like a merchant. No, it's a fucking, it's a whale. You piece of shit. Hey, uh, hey, Josh. Like, real quick though, with that. So, uh, I just got to remind the story. So, my sea dad, uh, he had a funny story. He, uh, 
he was kept calling shit rain squalls and biologics, right? So we were uh, down off the coast of uh, Jacksonville doing our thing in local ops. And uh, he kept saying, you know, whatever. And, and so for guys that aren't from the sonar, like, you know, like a, like a carrier, like because their screw blades are so clean on a warship, it could really be deceived as being a rain squall. Because rain sounds, the way the rain sounds when you're below the ocean is similar to what this cavitation is, right? So he kept calling it rain squall, right? So we go, we go up to PD, and uh, there was this fucking carrier that was like well inside <laughs> visual range. And uh, so we're sitting there in sonar. My, my friend Brandon Collins, I think, was a, was a broadband, and I was in there as like ox operator narrowband, and my sea dad Sean Barone was. Uh, he was a soup and officer Dagan caught him out and he said, look at the periscope, look at your fucking rain squall. <laughs> and he looked at the <laughs> and it's a fucking carrier. And it was like so big. Oh, shit. Couldn't even get it in low power. You couldn't even like get the whole shit. fucking thing in, in the full. Well, I mean, so. even what was it like, like 4,000? Uh, like it was, it was close. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a pretty, I mean like 4,000 yards. Like for any other contact, they'd be they'd be pretty decently far, but an aircraft carrier looks enormous at four thousand yards on a periscope. They're huge. They're huge. Yeah. So, yeah. So, anyways. Well, what about yeah. narrowband though? Narrowband should have been like, yeah, I could see all like all the different screws. Like narrowband should have caught that shit. Like just wait, because wait, wait, broadband wait. can't hear your, it, right? Your boy was narrowband, so there was nothing on narrowband. What? <laughs> oh, <laughs> come on. No, the class operator should have for sure. So the class okay. operator who's doing all the demon and doing all the cutting yeah. there, but. I, I, to be honest with you, I, I just think, um, you know, I remember when it was like in the underway, it was probably, we were probably just like, whatever, man. We're just <laughs> fucking want to go home. This is stupid. Like, yeah. I feel so it. honestly, like, I just don't think that the watch team itself was as engaged probably as it needed to be. Mm. But we were yeah. after that. We were like, fucking, I like, I like, I did not want to call anything rain. I was like, I'm not going to have the officer bag show me what rain looks like in the shape of a gray whole ship. Yeah. So like, I would just there be was- like, possible service contact what's the class about i don't know but it's not rain <laughs> it's not rain there's so many times so like as as an etow i don't have headphones on but i see a lot of sonar traces like that's all yep. i'm looking at like i'm making a nice little pretty plot for the officers but i'm just looking at sonar the entire time and yep. after several years this is not like you know entry-level shit like several years of looking at sonar traces you kind of understand the pattern like you get it um and i and i see i know that like being able to hear something and seeing the narrowband trace and and breaking it down a little bit further can provide more information. But a lot of times you can look at a trace and be like, that's definitely a fish or that's definitely a, a trawler or like that's definitely something then you're you're like your your categories are pretty clearly defined most of the time. It's not always, but just oh, yeah. by looking at it, you can be like, oh yeah, that's this. You, Pattern recognition is a real thing in humans. Like you can tell. Oh yeah, for sure. Trace, trace dynamics, man. That, that yeah. is huge. And um, there's there's a lot of indications. You know, again, I was like junior, but a lot of uh, indications of uh, what a surface and uh, you know what environment or what mammal life, uh, marine life is like. Uh, but yeah, so. Uh, oh, you I'm definitely had an advantage there. because, like, when when you were an FT, you had all that sonar experience. So like you could you could like at the same time that you're you're telling your own guys how to how to like read stuff, you could talk to sonar and be like, hey, uh, maybe you should think another uh, look at that again because I think this because I and and you can actually back it up because you have that sonar experience. It it was the coolest thing being an FT that was previously qualified sonar soup. So, so it was kind of like sonar techs realized like fifty fifty on it because they knew you can catch them when they're bullshit because you knew like the inside baseball for sonar. Um, the officers loved it because they like had a sonar soup in control, basically. They, to, in their opinion, they had two sonar soups on watch, um, you know. But it also like it helped it helped me filter down the amount of like mic talk I needed with sonar because like I kind of knew what was going on. I kind of saw it. I I pull up you know narrowband. I'm like, all right, yep, got it, makes sense. And uh, you know, so yeah, the, absolutely being a sonarman for four years. And then taking that knowledge to to the FT console, like definitely made me an, a more efficient FTLW for sure. Were you like, uh, were you targeted because you were a E four sonar suit um, on mission? Uh, not really. Uh, so I mean, so my first boat was an SSBN. So the the uh, their, gotcha, yeah, yeah. your patrol 
stuff's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, now you do have to have a top secret clearance to do some of the stuff for that SSBNs. Um, so I had to kind of deal with that, but, um, not really. I mean, if you carry yourself a certain way, man, and I had it from day one, I had, I had the juice going, man. I, I got my fish <laughs> in 78 days on board, 78 days on board. I was qualified to uh, fish. So, um, I kind of already like set, set everyone up, like gave them like a early warning tripwire that like I was coming. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, not really, to be honest, not really. Um, the only time I ever felt, you know, like targeted or questioned was honestly when I was a junior sailor, it was by the first classes when it came time for rankings, mm. because it was almost like, I feel like the nukes, like they knew how I was, but didn't really like knew the impact of what I was doing until it came t- t- time for rankings. And like, they're like, well, wait a minute. So this guy's qualified. What? And oh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And nukes ask, you know, and for their rankings, boy. they do hard. And it's like, all right, you guys are all like E6 is trapped in, you know, they're like semen trapped in the E6's body. In my opinion, a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the nukes out there and until they get a little bit of experience. And, um, that was one time I really felt it. Um, uh, I was a junior sale of the year on the West Virginia and it was the same story, uh, number one of like 30 something, my first time up. And uh, so I had a lot of nukes coming up to me. It's like the Florida Department guys, they knew, right? It's, it's, we deal with each other every day. Um, they knew I was one of the top guys, but the nukes were always like, the, the nukes always act like they were like on a different submarine. Like they didn't know that fucking I was there <laughs> until it was like time to do rankings. You're like, who the fuck is you this? You do this? Did, did you really volunteer at blah, blah, blah? Yeah, motherfucker, I did volunteer and I did do pace courses and I've got collateral duties. I was docs fucking three in like work center supervisor because hmm. I wanted to qualify 303. Uh, but like I had a body locker. There was one time I had six first classes in my division in sonar. And like, so like it was hard to like really break out and like do the things you wanted to do. So division would get like, like that. It's so weird. Yeah. Like, there was always multiple first classes and in, 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 like sometimes in other divisions you'd have two. But like sonar, it was not uncommon to have three first classes in your division. Yeah, I mean, I think part of it, because the division is bigger, I definitely think division should always have at least two. Um, ours was just weird because we uh, we had the LPO, actually even the LPO. So all those first classes when we had six, they all made it on the boat within like a year of each, within like two cycles. So like they're all homegrown E5s, filling mm-hmm. E5 billets, right? Um, so we ended up losing. We only had that many first classes for maybe six months and then squadron was like yo we gotta do redistro because like we can't have half a division of fucking first classes <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah my, but yeah, my so I just division found had three three first classes uh just well because because we had our billeted ft1 and then we stole somebody from the boise uh for a deployment because we were short we were uh, we were super low on manning and then i made it i made first class so like we had three first classes and then a bunch of nubs it was yeah, that shit was great. Yeah, they had wow. three first classes and like four or five nubs. And like, dude, and these some of these guys, no offense, but full offense, some of these guys were on the spectrum. Like, yeah. Holy shit. They, you know, it's funny. It's like, it was pie wars for those guys. Like, I know, like, you're a young, bushy eye, you know, seaman, seaman apprentice, and you're like, yo, here's your division FT1, 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 FTC. <laughs> I'd be like, Oh fuck me! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's rough life. Damn. So, uh, so you uh, you made sonar soup at a pretty fast rate, and then you were standing mission dive on your second tour as a first. My second second tour, second second deployment. So that was uh, 2011. So I was like uh, right at like six or seven years in the navy seven years i think um as the mission dive um and it was pretty awesome so so uh, it felt really good so first of all let's let's unpack that for a second so i get i get <laughs> like i get like wanting to be like you know what i'm going balls to the wall i'm ranking up real fast i'm trying to get these anchors i'm trying to make more money i'm trying to live in the navy make my career go far and beyond everyone else's expectation um just be a go-getter but like standing dive within like six years of your Navy career, six, seven years of your Navy career, like that's a lot of responsibility. I mean, like you're you're the senior guy, you're the senior enlisted 
watchstander in the control room at that point. Like, yeah. what what the hell made you feel like one you wanted that, or and two that you were where do you get where do you find the nerve? <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> who do you think you are? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, truth be told, the dive watch getting qualified it. <clears throat> was the only watch in the Navy external push. Um, and the reason why is I cross-rated FT. And from my, at that point in my career, I knew I had them. I had met the wickets to make chief, chief, the watch duty, chief QASO. Mm-hmm. I've been on two boats. I've been at sea for at this time, six, seven years. Um, I was like, you know, in the back of my head, like, unless I only make like two, like, I think I'm, I got it. Right. And I was like, fuck it. Like, I see all these chiefs showing up and like, they ain't never been qualified to die before as first classes. So I was like, just fucking chill. So honestly, I qualified chief of watch and I was like, I'm going to chill the Netflix like year or whatever, right? Before I get off the boat. And then I'll just fucking worry about dive later. And then both my, uh, my FTC and then uh, like kind of one of my mentors on Asheville, uh, uh, TMC, Miles, they're like, nah son you're qualified to die nah, and i was like no i'm not and they're like yes you are and um so we went we, we kind of went at it me and my chief went at it a little bit uh the first like uh couple weeks or whatever probably a couple days and then um the uh um finally i was like you know what? i'm gonna do it so he was like fuck it just qualify man like do it so I did it. I busted out. I qualify it. I qualify it in time enough to, you know, be the deployment guy. And then on deployment is a first class rankings. And um, this is the juice my chief had, man. Like he, I relieve dive uh, or I'm sitting dive, whatever. And they go in there and they're like, all right. So my guy is staying the chief watch so we can have this meeting. What about your guys? And he's just like, oh, shit. so he came in there like swinging. Right. So like, all right, bam, Nick's names is going to be at the top. And, uh, Oh yeah, by the way, we're on mission also. You know what I mean? So it was like like my chief kind of like by him riding me like that, it gave him the juice to be like, okay, next. So like yeah. I'm told that like it was like not even a conversation. Yeah. That, like he basically put his on the table. Or put you on yeah. the table. No, you know. Yeah, one or the other. <laughs> however, however you want to say. <laughs> yeah, for sure. He put his he so put it his was, neck uh, on the table. He, he so, put his neck on the table. <laughs> You put it. Ah, I like that. That's pretty. That's pretty slick. Uh, we're gonna make that a sticker. Um, Go ahead, put your neck. But like as, as far as uh, as far as like standing the watch and like being the dude, I mean, it did feel good, man. Like to to the day, it's like it was my most favorite and enjoyable watch to qualify and stand. Um, you felt like you had such a. Okay. Good. So so standing dive, it, it always seemed to me that it was less of a science and more of an art. Like, yes, there is like shit you have to like mentally kind of calculate, just like being an FT or an ST, you have to like do yep. some shit in your head. But after a while, even in those jobs where you know you, you know that you're actually doing the mental calculations, you're really just feeling it. Like feel you, it. Yeah. Yeah, you feel it. So that. there's actually legitimately like if you look um some of the references when you're qualifying dive it's called seat of the pants method and that's like you could fill the boat so while you're sitting in dive chair you start to fill it so um yeah like so being a star tech and ft like you're kind of nerdy with equations and all that that's how you are so you can translate that pretty easy to being a dive but then you like start to learn like your own boat and then the mm-hmm. other the other uh variable to your equation is like who the fuck is on the sticks Cause like that's what I was gonna ask for you. a while. For a while, I was the kick, so I like had to drive with like fucking fifteen retards, <laughs> and like you had to learn your guys. And there's sometimes there'd be a guy like I wouldn't let him st- sit sit uh, inboard. I'd make him be at the outboard station just because mm. I was like, nah, you're gonna fuck me at PD. Uh, so the messenger's gonna relieve you. But um, yeah, just feeling the boat is like meant a lot, you know, whatever. But you know, and I never got my wings. Thank God. So I never broached the ship when I was dive, um, but yeah, no, nah, man, it's good. It, oh man, good. hearing those hearing those fair water planes slap the waves, <laughs> and then you get yeah, man. Five, eight. Like, what? Excuse me, 
Five, so eight. <laughs> on a, I was on an I-boat, so I-boat's got bow planes, right? And uh-huh. so you kind of get get bailed out a little bit. My first boat was SSBN, Fairwater Planes. And yeah, it's just, it's slapping. Like You, you cannot no, hide that shit. <laughs> you cannot hide it. On, on a, uh, on a uh, 88i, uh, the, uh, um, it, you can kind of go up a little bit more before like you get dimed out by the noise. Mm-hmm. But like, people ain't fucking dumb, right? Like, mm-hmm. they fucking can look at the fucking ship's depth and see that you're like five two feet. Oh yeah, but, but the angle, but the angle on the on the boat is a yeah. two degree up, so can... yeah. So, I just tell off the deck. I was just giving them a fucking a high look. <laughs> <laughs> so you felt comfortable enough from your chief of the watch experience, um, if you had a lot at all to to like. To be able to handle uh, trim and PDs as a dive and be like, you know what, no matter who they put in this chair, I can either use the messenger or whatever and, and stand it and be safe. Yeah, I, I felt good. Like, I, I had a good uh, reptile, a good relationship with my guys, right? And I was, you know, not an asshole, right? Like, I got high standards and people could people could be listening to this like, oh, whatever, man. This guy's always been, you know, the best at whatever. Like, that's not how I am. I don't carry my, myself that way. Um, and I, and I'll take like the advice to you. Cause some of, some of the best dives are the guys that listen to, you know, those E5s that have been sitting sticks for a minute. Like you got an LS2 that's been standing sticks for a while. Like, you know, it sucks cause you've career progression. You want him to qualify chief the watch or sonar, but like that dude's badass, like driving the boat too, though. Mm-hmm. And like, sometimes mm-hmm. you need those guys that keep you, keep you clean. So, um, it's a group effort, like the dive, owns ultimate responsibility of the ships and its depth, but like it's a team effort between everybody at ships control party for sure. Hell yeah, man. I mean, that's a, we, I mean, I'm pretty, I, I don't know if there's news listening to this, they kind of don't understand uh, some of the stuff that we're talking about. And, and like you said, there is that kind of, sometimes it seems like nukes are on a different submarine when we're fucking underway and shit. Um, but like, <clears throat> just like they get into their uh, whole like understanding of how each other work in, back aft in the uh, engine room, like the whole control room. I mean, y'all are sitting there doing workups together every single day. And then when you go on deployment, that's it. Like that's you guys. And that, that watch section that you're in, that chief of the watch, that dive, those planesmen, the officer of the decks that you guys have. I mean, even the officer of the deck will have his favorite crew that he goes and shoots the shit oh, yeah. with and, and all that kind of jazz so i know that like every every crew is different right but like my I, and i want to hear this from you because you had so many different watch station experience on a submarine mm-hmm. who had the most fun on watch i bet it's like division wise i i i'm going to, i'm gonna go out and say it was a split maybe between and depending on who you had on watch with you either standing as like the dive or the chief to watch like the ship control party or the sonar techs. The sonar techs are nice because they have your, you're isolated um, and you can kind of grow a really super close bond with those guys and ship control party for us, our ship control party will get rowdy sometimes and our sonar tech, but our sonar techs are super funny. So like, it's kind of a personality thing, but the FTs, like I was always trying to leave my stack to go talk to other people because my guys are boring. Yeah. The FT stack would never even be considered in that group for <laughs> yeah. sure um sonar has the advantage with the exception of virginia classes sonar has the advantage of closing the door and like so sonar shit can get outside the book man like i've been involved in conversations and i'm like what the fuck are we talking about right now <laughs> like um but you know the ship control party i feel like whatever the conversation is it's a little more uh, dynamic because like you have the officer like he's educated right and whatever mm-hmm. and then like you probably have at least one chief as diver chief of the watch um and then like you got like the extra bonus guys right like you think about the ship's control party but also what do you have you have the fucking uh the land tech that comes through for log oh, checks yeah. and yeah you know and the hey, AOW hey, yeah comes through right so like they could come through so like they can do their in quartermaster could walk over to check ships heading right and then get yeah. involved himself in, in the conversation yeah. so because you always have think, like a like a like a poll going like and then someone new will come over like, hey, yep. what do you think what do you think about this <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah we we always had we always we always had that i remember when, I saw, when we were getting ready to pull in uh after we did our horse on my f- second deployment i think it was we we're pulling in it's the same shit right and everyone knows like 
the whole like votes, like who's the hottest chick. And like everybody picked like five. So it was like mm-hmm. 50, a list of 50. But obviously there's a lot of like repeats when I submitted it. But like went all the way down and they like argued for like probably like five watches of who <laughs> you were. And it was Kate Beckinsale, which is like most people would be like, what? Kate Beckinsale? And then uh, Scarlett Johansson. And, solid and, though, and solid it, it actually ended up being Kate Beckinsale. And everybody was like, what the hell? Like, this- she's like. 50 or something right and whatever but everybody was like oh but she's got the natural beauty like she's not you know <laughs> whatever she's not like super known she's not involved in like social media she's not i'm pretty you know i'm pretty sure every crew out there has had this exact poll conversation and it's gone down <laughs> to these two people because we've had the same one on the hell <laughs> it's funny <laughs> but yeah i think uh i'm gonna go with josh i'm gonna say that uh shift control party is probably number one for like bullshit sessions uh sonar like if you just want to get into some weird shit like go on sonar yeah they always i say sonar because they had the the advantage of the closed door and every time you if you got to go over there and talk to them they were talking about the most wild shit so it made it seem like they were having like way more fun than we were but we definitely yeah. got but like i remember we had uh jason on the show that one time and i was like how often did you hear us and just we're like over the open mic and we're just like what the fuck are these guys talking about he was just like too often too often i had to just be like nope not not even gonna listen right now. You, you know what's funny is unless a guy is and something i appreciate now on the other side of the table you don't realize how much stupid shit gets caught on that open mic oh my but God. like i'm in the wardroom all the time now on these rides and we'll be like looking like in this last ride, the deputy be like, turn that shit off. Like just turn the volume off. I don't want to listen right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it like so then like I repeat it back in my career and I'm like, man, how many times did we say some stupid shit? And like the wardroom was in the wardroom, the captain or like whatever, and they're like, These guys are fucking idiots. Like oh, these okay. are the guys that are driving this like billion dollar submarine. Because they're arguing over Scarlett Johansson and Kate Beckinsale at four hundred feet. <laughs> <laughs> good times dude oh uh so so you uh so you stood uh sonar soup on mission and then you stood dive but all of a sudden you decide to or you make chief and then you decide to put in an officer package um so it's obviously no secret that you are a go-getter but was there was it in your plan this whole entire time to to become an officer or did someone like kind of give you a nudge in that direction like what why why make that that changeover why not just uh become master chief uh like dual path on that so i joined the navy to be a master at arms and get out after my first contract and go be a highway patrolman in california Mm. and like 17 years later i'm still not in the highway patrol but (laughs) um uh so i always had the plan to be an eight-year chief that was like my goal i gave myself when i got on my first boat i wanted i'm sorry i want to be a 10-year chief i ended up doing a i want to be a 10-year chief I want to be a cop one day. And um, I felt like I was on that path um, pretty good. I know the cop thing can be difficult, um, but I felt like I was on the right path. And uh, I had a couple officers pull me aside. Uh, Jeff Sheets, he's, he was a captain. He was a Captain LEO, 6130. Um, and he was like a nonchalant, like, PH7 kind of recruiting, like, I do CDO turnovers with him and he would kind of be like, we would talk about like what's going on in the building and stuff. And he'd be like, so, uh, so have you thought about LDO, you know, some of the advantages, you know, but it was just like that. Right. He never like pushed it. There was this commander, the LDO, well, he was a commander. Now he was a Lieutenant commander, um, commander Griffin. He's a 6280, which is like an electronics LDO. Um, he recruited me hard. He pulled me into his, uh, office one day and was just like, Hey man, how many times did you apply for LDO? And I was like zero. And he was like, go get me all your evals and like come back. So I went and print all my evals that come through. And he's like, reading them. And I'm sitting across them. He's like, hey, man, you know you're a first-time pickup, right? And I was like, that shit don't happen. Like everyone I know, like two, three, four times. And he was like, nah, man. He was like, I'm reading this. I'm reading two platforms, SSBN, SSN, East Coast, West Coast, Sonar Tech, Sonar Supervisor, FT, FTOW, Dive, Chief of the Watch, QASO. Sailor year, junior sailor year, he was like, you're, you're feel the billet of a lieutenant as a chief. Um, he was like, did you hear all that? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, that's a big deal. He was like, not a lot of people are going to be able to compete with that. 
And he was like, your boy is out there. One of my, one of my good friends was RMC and, uh, he, he'd been selected that year. And he was like, um, he's like, he got selected and he was like, I compare your guys packages and, um, you definitely like need to need to apply. So I thought about it and I was like, you know what, like if you're going to like make the Navy a career, why not make, try to make the most money while you're doing it mm-hmm. uh, try to make the most rank you can. Um, as a chief, you know, I'm like, all right, start having that hard talk on myself. Qualified dive six, seven years. You do that. Like, am I going to stand dive for like 20 years? Mm-hmm. Like, it don't matter, right? Whether you do a three MC tour, FTC tour, and then you go on Cobb, like uh, the watch is going to be dive and just taking a submarine underway. And then I started looking at the LDO program and I was like, all these different jobs you can do like significantly less sea time. Not that I don't like going to sea, but like, as you start getting older, like mm-hmm. they wear on you. Like it, it took me like two days to recover from this last underway. I was underway for like five days. <laughs> now, mind you, like we were shooting weapons on the range and I was a peacetime safety officer and like a lot of like pressure to make sure that we keep the torpedo in the water that we're allowed to have a torpedo in the water. So, so some of that was self-inflicted, like non-sleep, but like this is a young man's game and uh you know whatever and then i just like the dynamic career uh job opportunities for for the lto program so when i had submitted and uh lo and behold to my absolute shock i was selected first time so just kind of the way it was so the right people recruited me and i kind of share that right like i don't all i don't believe everybody can be a chief i don't believe that everybody could be an officer i don't believe everybody could be a first class mm-hmm. and um but the guys that do have that potential that like, maybe they don't realize it. They don't see it. They're the ones like I try to pick out and be like, Hey man, let's come talk. You know, I think we, there's something that I was going to ask you that would be different from the last time we recorded it. We recorded it, but I think it'd be good. Cause at this point now we've got, we've got a thousand followers on Instagram. You guys have got a, a huge following with sailors and sticks. And so we're, we're going to be reaching a lot of people who are very junior or who are looking to join the submarine force who aren't in yet. Um, but what would be like, your advice to to those dudes who either are trying to emulate the same thing that you you are doing currently um, and who kind of like have aspirations to do something with the Navy, but aren't really quite sure how much they want to put into it right now, just from your whole journey. So for two parts for that, so for your first part of your question, how do you be successful? How do you do what you do? Um, to me, it's very easy. Survey, survey your competition that's on board. You're only ever going to be ranked as far as your eval with the guys that are on board. And if somebody that's your pay grade that has qualified something that you're not, you have to qualify it. There's no, there's no question about it. Don't ever think that, oh, well, I got 30 college credits and I volunteered at some food bank that that's going to outweigh a second class qualified dive. Mm-hmm. If there is an E5 on your boat qualified dive, you need to get a qual card and qualified dive. There's like no way around it. Um, and, and they just never stop, never take a break. You can have fun, right? Cause you don't want to burn yourself out. But like, I always had a call card in my hand. I always had a call card in my hand. I was always like ready to do the next thing. I mean, I was almost qualified TMOW on my last appointment here. I was sitting mission dive and I was like working on TMOW. <laughs> um, so there's just, you know, I qualified contact coordinator. So it's like just different shit that, to work on so stay hungry and know your competition some boats is going to be easier right other boats you're going to get there and you're going to be like damn like you know the Asheville, we had like three guys qual three first classes qualified dive so like if you show up as a new guy or you like you put on first or you're even a first class and you're a forward guy you're like shit half of the eps are already you know they're going to go to the guys with dives i mean outside of them getting a dui or something like that's a shoe-in for a first class so like now are you going to like put in work to qualify dive or are you going to fight for those other three spots? You know what I mean? But if you qualify dive, there's six spots available for you to be an EP. You don't qualify dive, you got to fight for those three. 50% less of your opportunity, right? So I, I just always have like looked at my competition. Because um, you don't ever know your outside competition. You really don't. Mm-hmm. Um, when I made Chief, they only made nine of us that year. I was nine of nine. I was a junior guy. Um, but kind of back to earlier, we talked about had my Chief not push me to qualify dive i may not have made it when i made it there probably is usually about 10 ft1s in the navy qualified dive so i bet everybody that made it the year i made it was qualified dive so my chief had a little bit of foresight you know in that that i wasn't really thinking about 
Um, for the second part, for our listeners out there that may be considering the Navy, um, the Navy has a lot of opportunities um, for you. And I can just tell my story. I grew up very poor. I grew up in rough houses. I grew up in standing welfare check lines, church delivering food to our front door. You know, it was really rough for me growing up until really I was about in high school. Um, that kid that grew up really poor and grew up really rough uh, around a lot of gangs and gang violence and stuff from where I'm from. I, the opportunity the neighbor provided me is I was 22 years old and I was a homeowner yeah. because the Navy's those opportunities are there for you, right? hundred percent VA coverage for, for when you buy your first home. A lot of guys, a lot of us here have taken advantage of that, but like for me, like that's why I open it up when, when people are like, what's the Navy going to do for me? And I'm like, well, you can buy a house and have a guaranteed paycheck. Um, and then after that, the sky's the limit. So it's just kind of, mm-hmm. kind of how I, uh, do is the the navy opens up opportunities for you that you probably don't know exist a lot of people don't live move within 20 30 miles of their hometown you know what i mean they're kind of content with that so yeah i uh i i I knew like i knew when i was in like the the competition aspect of it and like looking at people that you know you're being compared to and and just being just looking good at it was like if you're like imagine if you're all standing in a line and you have you know something that makes you stand like you get to take one step forward if you have this and so like i knew that that was the case but it was never really forefront for me i was just like i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do and it just so happened that i set the pace so it was like I, i never really focused too hard on it i knew that i had to compete against other people but it wasn't like oh shit i gotta keep up with so and so like i was just like no i'm gonna i'm gonna be a fucking diver i'm gonna qualify everything i need to qualify i'm gonna qualify chief of the watch i'm gonna qualify every weapons watch station i can i'm gonna i'm just gonna shave my face every day which is like a super easy one like just yep. take a shower and shave and cut your hair like that'll get you an mp at least just doing that absolutely like, he's not joking guys he's not joking that makes yeah. he's hot I, I swear to god i'll be in a rankings board sometime and like some navy up there i was like bro go grab him right now and if he has a fresh save i would be you know what i mean we can have a conversation yeah like that shit's easy shine your boots don't smell yeah fucking comb your hair shave your face that's all you gotta do yeah and then like <laughs> oh man your attitude is a huge one just like if you're known as the guy that's fucking bitching and complaining all the time, there's no way that your name's getting brought up at a ranking board. Nope. There's no way. Because you're gonna someone's gonna mention like, oh, isn't this guy a qualified uh, senior rate? Yeah, but he's a fucking complaining all the time. He's a little asshole. Like, so like the way that you carry yourself and the way that you like let other people see your actions and your words and the way that you way that you go about your professional like pride is a huge. Uh, 100% agree with that. We had a, I don't remember which boat I was on, but one of them, we had like an STS-3 that was a, a, um, a first lieutenant or deck LPO or whatever. But the dude was just like anti-Navy, bitched about everything. So then we come to the rankings board and like whatever peer group I was in, must have been first classes or second classes, one of those. Um, all, they, all the sonar kept saying is that he's an LPO. He's the only guy that says he's an LPO. I'm like, yeah, he's also a shithead. So like, mm-hmm. like what, like if that guy was like an EP and God forbid he's like number one EP just because of the position, like you could kill the rest of the crew by that because they'd be like, man, they'd, they'd lose faith in the system. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I'm I'm with you 100 percent on that. Damn. Well, so uh, <clears throat> so as far as slaves and sticks goes, it's 2021 now. So since we last talked, you got some new stuff in the works. Um, and for those of you that don't know, Nick Church, um, aside from being uh, in the Navy as an LDO, is a co-founder with Brian Brown, uh, Chief Warrant Officer Brian Brown of Sillers and Sticks. Um, and I'll give you the floor to talk a little bit about what Sillers and Sticks is and uh, what you guys got planned for 2021 and how you guys are doing uh, so far. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, me and Brian have been good friends for about three, four years um you guys have had brian on the show before so i think he kind of covered a little bit of how we got started in a nutshell we're sitting on deck having a cigar one day 
And uh, we were like, we should like start a group that's like this. And we're like, well, what do you mean? And you're like, I'm just sailors like chilling, you know, having cigars or whatever. And we're kind of like, well, what would we name it? And I was just like, I don't know. I always call uh, a cigar a stick. And then Brian's like, yeah, it would be sailors. And I was like, well, fuck sailors and sticks. And he was like, yeah, man, it's like kind of easy and <laughs> makes sense. Right. Um, so we wrote with that for like a year, but we weren't really doing shit with it. It was like this little group on Facebook and, um, we'd go weeks or months where there'd be like no posts in the group. Right. And then we, uh, COVID hit and like, so we're all like on lockdown HP con Charlie and all this other shit. And me and Brown, Brian got like more motivated to like put more effort into it. And then, uh, he had his tattoo artist, uh, Amy Burdett, uh, had her draw up a logo and he, and Brown was like, what do you want a logo? And I was just like, some like silly Jerry style with maybe like a skull and a cigar. And then like her first rendering is what is our logo? Like we didn't even go back for any edits. We were like, Holy fuck, that's fire. So once there was like an image related to our name and what we were doing, the shit just blew the fuck up. And everybody was like, we want that. I remember I put my first order in for 18 hats and I was scared. I wasn't going to sell them all. And I was going to have to eat all this money. Um, and, you know, just, just on our trip back from uh, Mayport yesterday um, or uh, Port Canaveral, I just put it in an order for like 50 hats. Like, mm -hmm. not, not even think twice about it, right? Like, I'm like, I'm going to sell them. Um, I've got 30 hats that are coming to my house, like, probably tomorrow for this other. So we started this uh, Sirens and Sticks. It's kind of like a spinoff of Sailors and Sticks. And, you know, the logo is a mermaid uh, smoking a cigar. So we've got some apparel coming, um, some beanies and some hats coming with that new logo. We already have decals. And then uh, we're, I'm working on getting my image transfers uh, to put those on shirts also. So, so is, um, is Sirens and Stick is, is Sirens and Sticks geared separately towards uh, a different group? Or is it just kind of like a, a, something that can sport like, hey, I'm a, I guess a female is what you guys are going for here? So that's what we thought initially, right? It was like something for the, for the females out there, you know, not that, I mean, a female's a sailor also, right? A sailor's right. a sailor and, you know, and they wear Dixie cups also, mm -hmm. you know, whatever. So like, it's not like our logo is like only for men, but we we're like just a mermaid thing. But what it turns out is everybody was like super excited by that logo. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, holy shit. So like, I have dudes, you know, so we've got a lot of pre-orders just for the stuff. That's I have stuff that's coming in. that's already sold. Mm -hmm. um that people wanted so i think the females are definitely uh part of the clientele like we're reaching for that for something for them that they, they may be interested in but really it it's just uh, cool to add to the repertoire kind of thing something cool to add you know we kind of look at it as like a secondary logo not a second group if right, you will. right okay that's what's up man damn you guys have uh I knew, i think last time you said something about chapters like trying to get some chapters started because you guys are now we, so spread out right we are. So once COVID slows down, what we want to do is kind of like how you have little, you know, uh, VFW posts or whatever around the country. We want to set up like little setters and sticks, like club things. Right. And mm. we want those people to organize like monthly or quarterly, like smoke sessions where people get together because it helps mm. network and stuff like that. And we're going to let like those groups kind of control some of their stuff. Like, so we haven't decided if it's going to be like a special hat or, you know, maybe like a vest, like, sub vets does or whatever like something that like makes that group stand out mm -hmm. um you know we, me and brian will filter through we'll take nominations and pick like a president to run each chapter people that we trust to mm -hmm. do that and then kind of you know they're kind of like boots on ground for us locally um to do that so but that that's a thing that like until covid slows down and like people are allowed to like get together publicly um and be allowed to do it it's like something that's just kind of on the back burner right now, but it's definitely coming once COVID is controlled. Right. Okay. Thank you. Um, All right. If you got San Diego, I'll definitely attend. I don't know if I'll be a leader because I barely smoke cigars, but yeah. like, I'll definitely join up and, and, and see what's up with those guys. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. I brought my cigars out here to Germany. For Christmas, I got a... Uh... So my mother-in-law got me like a pack of cigars from the cigar place in Denver and uh, I was super excited about it. So, I, I, you know, I get on my Silesian sticks thing sometimes, you know, I just need to get some of that yeah. merch and I'll be good. <laughs> there you go. You just got to make some posts in the group and uh, want to hook you up with some stuff. Yeah, man, I got you. 
Um, yeah. So last thing I wanted to bring up before we, uh, before we hop off here is, uh, we didn't get it in the, um, get it uploaded last time, but you said you would fly our flag if we got it made on one of the boats. And uh, yeah, so I'm, wondering, I'm wondering if you still be able to do that. Yep. So for you guys that want to know, like, so test step has a flag, right? They're coming out with a flag. And so on the last time we recorded, I said, Hey, I want to have like a challenge. Like I want to be the guy, the first guy that puts the flag in the bridge of a submarine while we're underway. And, uh, like that's definitely down. Like you guys get me a flag. Um, I ride awesome. these fucking boats like sea biscuit. So like, <laughs> I will get on it. Like the goal is for fucking Helena. So like if I can get Helena out of the fucking yards and like get her underway, I'm going to go all the way to the fucking bridge. I'm going to fucking fly that flag with a half a cigar in my hand. Like, oh, yeah. that'll, uh, that, your guys' fucking flag will be on a Virginia based fucking submarine in the bridge. I promise you. You just got to yeah. give me the flag. We're working, on, we're working on it right now. We went back to the drawing board because if this is going to happen, we want this flag to be badass. So we're going back to the drawing board right now. We're finalizing some mock ups. Oh, what was I going to say? So the theme is going to be we were thinking of different designs for that flag theme. Mm-hmm. And if if it was, um, damn, why is the is the phrase escaping my mind? The pirate Jolly flags. Rogers. What are they called? Or Jolly Rogers. Okay. Yeah. So if it was, it's not going to be a Jolly Roger. But if it was kind of resembling a Jolly Roger, or if it was like Jolly Roger themed, what do you think it would have an issue issue that flying that or? No. So the only thing that would prevent you guys from being flied, like. So you guys can't have your like your who the fuck is you on it. Like yeah. Yeah. that would prevent me from putting it in a submarine cell for probably most commanding officers. Um, so just think about that is how you brand your stuff will can can really limit um, how a crew can really like rock it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yep. So I think you guys could probably have like a founder's flag, which is one that would be like the founder's logo and then like who the fuck are you? But I think that you would need to, I think a Jolly Roger with the crossbows being like a tomahawk and a, and an ad cap or something. Right. And then maybe, you know, maybe throw some headphones on it and you know, whatever. Um, I think that's like, that's like something that would really like catch on. Right. Um, and, and be something cool, but it don't matter, man, you guys get a flag. I'm gonna put that shit in the bridge. Dope. Yeah. We, we got a lot of messages about how people couldn't wear our fucking, our test up tee because it says who the fuck are you? They're like, yeah, someone at the base gym told me that I gotta change this shirt because it says fuck all back. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shit. I'm sorry. Yeah, that's that's yeah. the the downside of it. But um, you know, I just don't wear it on base or anything. Right? I just wear it out in town. Yeah. But yeah. I feel like a lot of people don't. Uh, unless you know the submarine song, then you don't really get the re- the reference. So yeah, exactly. It's a submarine thing. But you guys are submarine community based organization and, yeah. and company so they're just gonna have to fucking deal with it yeah. <laughs> hey man we appreciate you uh coming on and uh sorry that the first one didn't work out but we got this one and i have faith that it'll work out um can you let everybody know where they can find you on social media if you're okay with uh people following you on there and uh which or just on? so shares and stick stuff if you want to share that mm-hmm. yeah so i don't normally uh if i don't know you you probably aren't going to get access to my personal facebook or instagram but um, you can follow uh, my compadre Brian Brown because he lets everybody follow him. He's at sub42 <laughs> on Instagram. Uh, for sailors and sticks, if you're active duty, retired, or veteran uh, sailor, and there was in the Navy or the Coast Guard, um, look for our uh, our private closed group in Facebook. It's called Sailors and Sticks, and uh, have you ask ask you a couple questions to get membership. There's a lot of good stuff in there. It's a good conversation, good community in there um and then on instagram for our instagram followers it's at sailors and sticks um really encourage you to follow both of those if, if you have the opportunity to we do giveaways um you know it's a way to get in contact with me and brian because we don't have a website established yet we're like 85 percent there um so until then me and brian are still kind of running the whole emblematics if you will um so any of our anybody's listening to this test that podcast and like what the hell says it sticks then you go on says it sticks you're like oh man that's a cool logo i want to get something send me a private message send brian a private message we got hats shirts hoodies cigar uh holders uh cigar uh scar whiskey glasses um koozies decals um hats i mean we got beanies we got a lot of stuff right so just uh hit up me and brian 
And, uh, you know, we can do it. Uh, we we kind of have this little motto. We ain't got with it, but, you know, it's not what you smoke, it's who you smoke with. And that's kind of the, the mantra of Sellers and Sticks. Oh, yeah. Word. All right, guys. Thanks, man. Well, uh, thank you guys for joining us and listening to the Only on the Midwatch podcast once again. Um, I'm your host, Ellison Parham, with my co-host, Josh Kanak, and we had special guest Dick Church on. We'll catch you guys next time. See you later, everybody. Thank you.